Hi, I'm Darren Peppard. Welcome to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, the podcast dedicated to today's hardworking leader. Join me every Sunday for leadership insight, inspiration, and a little pep talk to keep you rolling down your road to awesome. Hey friends, welcome into episode 72 of the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. This first full episode of Aspiring New and Rising Leaders Month brings to you my guest, Adam Stolzer. Adam is a new 7 through 12 principal in rural Nebraska, and today he's going to share some insights into school culture, the value of having a strong mentor, and running toward the problem. I'm really excited to welcome Adam in. He and I had a really great conversation recently. Adam is a proud graduate of both Platteview High School and Wayne State College, along with the University of Nebraska at Kearney. He, like myself, was a high school basketball coach um, and has spent seven years at Burwell, now just wrapping up that first full year as the 7 through 12 principal. I'm really excited to share this conversation with you, and you're going to hear it right after this message from our sponsor for today's episode, Peer Driven PD. Hey leaders, you know, teachers and administrators don't always see eye to eye, so it might surprise you that over 86% of teachers and administrators agree that we need more full-time classroom teachers leading our professional development. That's where my friends at Peer Driven PD come in. Peer Driven PD finds some of the best teachers in the country and documents their instructional strategies that work in real classrooms every day, and then they make the content available to schools everywhere. It's kind of like a master class, but for teachers. Imagine that. Your teachers are learning from other amazing teachers who, just like them, are gifted and passionate about driving student achievement. And if you've got your own superstar teachers who deserve some exposure, Peer Driven PD will visit your campus and film your own teachers doing what they do best and share it on the platform for their colleagues and everyone else to see. What a huge morale boost that can be for a district. And just so you know, Mike Alpert, who's the company's founder, has been a guest on this very podcast. Check out episode 49. Mike's a former teacher and administrator who has worked with schools from coast to coast. He really understands the need for engaging PD that teachers will appreciate. Look, I've seen this work firsthand. It's unique, it's interesting, and it's just what you need if your teachers want more out of their professional development. Visit PeerDrivenPD.com to request a quote. Tell them the Leaning Into Leadership podcast sent you, and they'll give you a free trial access so you can check out all of their content and decide for yourself. As well, they'll give you an additional 10% off your first year's subscription simply for mentioning the Leading into Leadership podcast. Go to PeerDrivenPD.com today. Again, that's PeerDrivenPD.com. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.TeachBetterPodcastNetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. For every one of us, there's a first time that we do a job. I remember being a first-time teacher. I remember being a first-time AP, first-time principal, and of course, a first-time superintendent. And joining us on the show today is Adam Stolzer, who is a first-year principal. Although, at the, at the time that we're sitting here recording, Adam, it's late March. You're not really 
a first year principal anymore. Um, at least, at least how I look at it. So Adam, welcome into the leaning into leadership podcast. Hey, thanks for having me humbled and excited to share the longhorn vision that we got going on here at Burwell. And, uh, yeah, it's a sprint every day and you get thrown uh, to the fire right away. So rookie may have lost its title, but definitely still young in school leadership, uh, learning a lot. And yeah, it's been a great first year. We have some great teachers. We live in a great community, um, and it's been exciting. Yeah, so I'll I'll, I'll ask you to t- maybe talk a little bit more about yourself here in just a second. But but just just that whole first uh, you know first year thing. Um, I was I was on an airplane last night, and I'm watching a college basketball game. So you know it's it's tournament time, and I don't remember if it was the NIT or if it was the CBI. They both have have their like semifinals and stuff going on right now. And late in the in the game, overtime. Um, the other team chooses to foul someone, you know, to go to the foul line, and it's a freshman. And the announcer said, you know, oh, man, they're going after the freshman. And the other guy said, yeah, but this is game, like, 36. Is he really a freshman at this point? You know, I mean, he's played 36 college games. Let's let's give the kid a break. And, and that's kind of what I think a little bit with that first-year, you know, principal or first-year teacher type of mentality. You get to a certain point in time, and – maybe the newness starts to wear off. And I, I want to talk about that uh, really quick though, Adam, I'll give you an opportunity. Just share with my listeners a little bit about who you are, you know, where you're coming from and that type of thing. Yeah. Well, you're talking basketball. That's my language. Um, before taking on the principal role, I had taught Burwell, taught at Burwell here. I was the math teacher and head high school boys basketball coach. Uh, this was my first job right out of college. Uh, I've lived in Nebraska my whole life, grew up just outside of Omaha, uh, went to Platteview High School, which is in Springfield, uh, went to Wayne State, and after Wayne State, made it out to Burwell, married into the town, and it, it's been awesome. And my wife, Rochelle, and I, we have a daughter, Layton, and we're expecting our second one here at the end of school. Uh, awesome. So that's exciting for us. And uh, yeah, so like I said, uh, just wrapping up the first year, Burwell is what I've known, and I've really grown to love this community, and they've wrapped me up in open arms and such an awesome place to raise a family. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, shout out to Dale Maynard, too, your superintendent, who who actually reached out to me. He said, you know, Darren, you get some wonderful guests on the show. Would it be interesting to you to have a first-year principal come on and share their perspectives. And number one, I will tell you, you know, I've known Dale for a long time. I think Dale was a wonderful educator, um, but you know, he was he was very complimentary of you as a first-year principal, and you know what you're going through and what you're experiencing and how you're kind of balancing. You know, your predecessor's still there because Dale is your predecessor. You know, he went from the high school principal role into the superintendent role, um, but then also you know, bringing maybe your own perspective to the table, you know, you've taught in the building and, and that type of thing. But um, what what has that been like? Um, how have you successfully, I know you've successfully navigated that, but how have you navigated the having your uh, predecessor there, but in a different role? Yeah, for sure. No, Mr. Maynard, has been a blessing in my life. You know, we applied for the same job two years ago when when he got it, and that was right at the end of my master's program. And naturally, he takes over as the person you do your practicum with and you learn from. And we hit it off. And it is so important in this 
in this position and in life to have a mentor that just helps you out and teaches you things. And Mr. Maynard bring in that bigger school philosophy and training and mindset to introduce me to things that I didn't get in my classes or never thought that I would see or experience in Burwell. And we have a great connection. He is a teacher of teachers, uh, came in right away. And it was all about that growth mindset and has helped me along the way of someone I can bounce ideas off of and has really helped me prepare for the position I'm in and replacing somebody. You know, he was here for one year, moved up. The consistency has been a really big thing for us at our school of don't change things that you don't understand. Keep things in place that have been successful and add your little twists. But I don't think I can speak enough of how much it means to have a mentor and who challenges you to be better, works with you to be better. And we just have the same vision, the same goals for Burwell, and it's been great. So I, I want to go right at that just a little bit there. So you talk about, you know, having having a mentor, you know, whether it's mentor or coach, um, as opposed to, you know, him being your boss, which, which he is. But um, I'm curious, there have to have been some times during the course of this school year where there's something that has come at you and maybe you weren't 100% sure what you wanted to do. When, when you guys sit and talk, I, this is a critical part, I think, of the mentor relationship. Um, how is that approached? Is that a, is he asking you what your thoughts are? Is he simply telling you, here's what you should do or what I have done? What, what, is, what is it like in those types of situations? Everything for us is such a conversation. It's, if I just need to talk out a situation, it's listening. Uh, my grandpa was a school administrator at OPS for 30 years. Um, was an assistant superintendent at OPS, was a guidance counselor, served in all those roles. And he told me, listen, should be the number one thing that you do. And that's what Mr. Maynard does. Sometimes it's listen. And then it's always those questions of, well, what about this? Or have you thought about this angle? Or, you know, hey, just think about this one piece. I think you're on the right track, but just think about this one piece. Yes, there's times where it's like, you know, I've been at the game for 20 years. This is what I would do, but it's still your decision. But so much of what we do is a conversation and our conversations are just so natural with the connection that we have built and what we have, what we've made. And even times where I feel hundred percent confident in my decision or something that comes at, I just still enjoy having that trust that we can talk those things out. And that's just helping still trusting me that, you know what, I am thinking the way that I need to be thinking. I'm processing this the right way. And so just that it's been an easy conversation from day one with him and it, it's just been a true blessing for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's awesome. You know, it, it takes me back um, specifically to my, my first year as a high school principal and similar to you, I had been in the same building for a handful of years. I'd been in an assistant principal role. I did not teach in the building where I became the principal, but I had already been in the building in a role. So I'm curious what has, what has that navigation been like for you moving from truly being one of the staff, you know, being, you know, the math, you know, teaching math there, being the basketball coach to now you're the principal. So you're one with them. You're not one of them. What, what has that been like? What are the challenges that you've faced with that? 
it, it was definitely something that weighed on me. It was a large part of the interview process. It was a large part of the conversations with Mr. Maynard of how to navigate that, how to do that, how to, what to expect to go through there. And our, our staff has been so gracious. Um, I think the best thing I did at the beginning of the year was I asked for patience from them, knowing that I don't have all the answers that I'm going to make some mistakes along the way. I don't have it all figured out, but a veteran staff that I could lean on and communicating with them, being visible and instilling their trust and knowing that whatever trust I had as a teacher, whatever relationship I had with the teacher, all had to be rebuilt. Not that anything changed. And I had a little bit of a start, but I'm in a new position now where I have to build trust a new way. I have to build relationships a new way. And I just attacked that with my passion for the kids, for school and working as hard as I can daily. And I know that is a daily thing that I have to build. It's not just over time. Um, so it's been really unique in that where I have a little bit of background knowledge. I know them, they know me, but the relationships are new. The trust is new. The conversations are new. So one of the things that I found really interesting when you and I talked um, a week or so ago was that you actually, you, you had applied for this position once before. And that, of course, is when, when Dale Maynard was, was hired for that high school principal job. And then a year later, now, of course, he's moving uh, into the superintendent role. What did you learn or, or maybe some advice that you might give? Because this particular episode, I really want to be about supporting those people who maybe have just landed or been offered or getting ready to interview for their first principal job. Because I think that's every year, the number is a staggering number of new principals. So anything we can do to give some advice and some support to those individuals is, is what I want to be able to bring uh, primarily from this episode. There's just some great stuff in your story as well. Um, but I think it's it's such an awesome opportunity to talk with someone who sat at the table twice for the same job and was successful the second time. What, what did you learn or, or focus on to grow yourself from one year to the next? That's a great question. And I've reflected on it a lot. And the first time I applied, I think I was very general with how I talked about things. And I'm going to be visible. I'm going to communicate. I'm going to be consistent. And things that you want to say, you want to hear when you're interviewing for a school leadership role. But I didn't know how to specifically target how. I didn't know what proven ways or, yeah, I'm going to be in classrooms. Okay, well, what are you going to do when you're in there? And um, I felt like I prepared well. I had gotten practice interview questions. I had called other people that I can rely on. But I could just not specifically speak to how to attack certain situations. A year of mentorship under Mr. Maynard, more, more education, more getting into just who I'm going to be. I could specifically speak to those things. So when I talked about being visible, it was, okay, I'm going to be in the halls. I'm going to be in the community. I'm going to be in the lunchroom. I'm going to be in classrooms doing walkthroughs. You know, that was something that Mr. Maynard had started providing feedback. Um, and it was something that as humans, as teachers, we always want feedback. We want to know what are we doing good? 
where can I improve? It's just an, it's an innate thing. So I could specifically speak to how I was going to roll out a plan of leading a building and not just managing a building. I think that's huge. Uh, you know, I, I've sat in so many interviews, um, you know, on on the side of the table where I'm part of the deciding team, right? Um, and I've mm -hmm. certainly I've sat in the hot seat enough times too, but that is really great insight because so often people will sit in that chair and they'll tell you, you said this well, they'll tell you what you want to hear, but they don't have really any meat on the bone around here's how I will make that happen. This is, this is my plan to really provide quality feedback to teachers, not just him and be in the rooms, you know, hey, I'll shoot him an email once a week. No, what, what are you really going to do? What is that going to really look like? And what are you looking for when you're there? When people can sit at the table and really tell you that, that's when you know, okay, we got somebody here who's, who's really thought it through, has a really good idea, or at least a concept of what their role is going to be, which takes me to my next question. Um, and I'll, I'll preface it with this. When I moved from AP to principal, one of the things that I found most daunting was all the organizational management stuff. Everything in a master's program tends to be much more geared towards instructional leadership because that's an important piece. You're, you're a high school guy. Um, high school principals spend an average of 10% of their time on instructional leadership, 90% on organizational management. I didn't have a clue how to do the organizational management stuff. Like, here's this massive budget. I didn't have the first clue. So what were maybe one or two things that as you moved into this role thinking about what you said at the table, oh, I'm going to be visible, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And then the reality hit with the time sucks that nobody tells you about until you live it. What, what were a couple of those things that you were just like, holy cow, I didn't realize this, and I got to find a way to work through it? You have to make it a priority to be out in your building. If you want to get jaw log jammed and just sitting in the office and looking up something on power school, looking up, you know, this report or working on a project that, you know, to go, you can, you can do all that, but you have to make it a priority to be out in your building. And that may mean that, Hey, I got to put a couple hours in when I get home, or I got to do a couple things on the Sunday evening, or I got to come into work early um, to do something. But it's very easy to just get to that management where you're doing the stuff that you, that you need to do because that's your job and that's what you're asked to do. But if you want to solve your problems and you want to see your teachers being great, you want to see your students being great, just be out in your building. If you think that if you want to commute, like if you want to enhance communication with teachers, go be out in your building where go run towards the problem. Go find something that needs to be done by being out in your building. I mean, you could say I'm going to go do classroom walkthroughs, but by the time you get to through two classrooms, now a teacher needs something from you. A student needs something from you. You notice that, hey, a pop spill down here. I got to get my custodians down here. I got to get this cleaned up where just being out and involved in your building, things that need to be brought to your attention naturally find their way to you. And you just have to make it a priority. And I struggle with that on a consistent basis. Like, 
I'm humble enough to say that there's some days where it's like, gosh, dang it. I haven't got out of the office. I haven't been connected. Right. And then there's other, and then there's other days where I go home and I'm like, holy cow, that was an amazing day, but I didn't get nothing done. Like all I did, <laughs> right. <laughs> I got, yeah. I got stuff. I got stuff done. Like I talked to teachers. I was given feedback. I interacted with students. I had quality conversations, but that list of five things that I needed to get done, they, right. they didn't get done that day. But People are our most valuable asset. We're in a people business. And I, I just, that's the biggest thing is like, you've got to be out and involved in your building and visible. Leaders, your educators deserve to have a leader who believes in them, who supports them, and who lifts them up when they're down. Right now, they deserve that reminder that they are traveling their own road to awesome. On that road to awesome, we focus on the things we can control and we let go of the things we can't. On that road to awesome, we rise by lifting others, not by pushing each other down. And on that road to awesome, we change the world one conversation at a time. Leaders, I want to work with your schools. I want to work with you and your educators to lift them up, to honor the work they do, and to let them know they are not in this alone. Let's get together. Let's have a conversation. Let's get your teachers back on that road to awesome, to find that love, to find that clarity, and to walk in their purpose. Reach out to us at roadtoawesome.net for your opportunity to bring Road to Awesome to your school. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And I'm, I'm curious, what are some strategies you've used for, you know, okay, you have two or three days in a row because it happens. You yeah. have two or three days in a row where you just get completely engrossed in the stuff that has to get done because stuff has to get done. Um, and we tend to set our true priorities aside, right? I want to be in the classroom. I want to be visible. I want to, you know, be in the cafeteria, be out front greeting parents and kids, but stuff has to get done. What, what are some strategies that you've, you've tried or that you're using that help you at least to an extent, get back on track when you get pulled into the work? Yeah. I mean, I'm a big social media guy. And when we started out, we wanted to increase our brand and, you know, getting in and taking snapshots of, you know, we got people dissecting pigs in the science room. I'm going to go down there. I need to see that. I want to experience that. Um, we have two different walkthrough forms that we use that we do once a week. We have an online one. We have a paper one. But and this is where. I'm a technology guy. I'm in the technology frame. Like people would say he does everything on a computer. He doesn't have the thing. Like that's my generation stereotype, but there's a lot to be said for a handwritten note, you know, whether it's a handwritten walkthrough note, or I, I printed out, um, I, I call them longhorn appreciation cards and, you know, just some simple thank yous to teachers. I have students write them to teachers and I take them. So those are intentional ways. Um, just walking down the hall, you know, we have two separate buildings here. So I have, we have our elementary across the street, but there's a couple high school classes in it where just saying, you know what, I got to go across the street. I got to go check and see how that is. That's a force to get up, move and go. 
Um, but I'm able to do that. I mean, I have a gracious wife who lets me get to work a little bit earlier, you know, at, you know, seven, you know, where I can get some of that work stuff done so that when teachers and students roll in, I'm ready to go. Yeah, I think that's really powerful. Um, there's so much to be said for your calendar. Um, I, I'm, I'm in the middle of a book right now. And one of the pieces, it's the, the book's actually called Content Inc. It's not a leadership book. It's more of a, it's an entrepreneur book. Um, but but what uh, Joe Polizzi, who's, who's the author, is talking about, that, that which which is, is sparking in my head right now, is saying, you know, if, if you want to know um, how you value your money, look back at your bank account, look back at your bank statements. What are you spending it on? If you want to know how you value your time, look back at your calendar. What are you putting on your calendar? And, you know, are you putting those things that you really prioritize on your calendar? Um, that was something I finally started doing at a point where I would just put like 20 minutes of school culture or I would block email at the end of the day. So if I get emailed during the day, that's okay. No big deal. I'm out in the classroom. I know I'm going to do my email at three o'clock or three thirty or whatever time I would I would put it on there. So um, I think that's really important. I love that you're talking about uh, really sticking to your priorities. And you hit on something else that that I find um, that I find really awesome. And it's something I think early career principals struggle with because there's so much stuff. But you're talking about really building that brand, really being the champion of your organization and telling the story. You gave a couple of examples, maybe share one or two from this year that have just been really, really great. Um, and maybe it's an idea people can steal from. It. Yeah, sure. You know, when I took this and I struggled all the summer, I'm like, what's going to be my, what's going to be my philosophy or my culture? How can I do that? And we came up with the power of purple and uh, passion, uh, unique, reflect pride legacy and evolve are some key buzzwords and, and we do a lot of things with that but I, I i cover a study hall once a week once a day for our teachers and i started about the end of the first quarter of having our students write a positive note to a staff member a custodian the kitchen staff a para a teacher and seeing our teachers read that or reading what our kids wrote, like there's some really powerful stuff in there to let our kids express themselves, to show the gracious graciousness towards staff and staff to show that they are having an impact. I mean, that was a huge thing for me um, that I've noticed. Um, another thing is that um, I heard a guest speaker talk, um, you know, we always want to do stuff for our staff. Like, Hey, I'm going to put you know this in the lounge. I'll go buy cookies and I'll put them in the lounge. But how about taking it to them? You know, like we take popcorn and pop to them and pop in and say, hey, you know, you're doing great. But again, that's another way to have a conversation with them, see how things are going in the classroom um, and doing that. So those are some big things that we've done. We started a culture and climate committee here where we try to be intentional about setting stuff up on a monthly basis where we do stuff as a staff. We do stuff for kids. Uh, and just creating opportunities to get together outside of work to build up that culture. That's awesome. I really love that. Um, so flashback a year and you're preparing to, to interview, you're preparing to get going. You, you already told us some things that you learned in between. 
but what would be one or two pieces of advice now almost a full, a full year in that you would give to somebody listening to the show today who either just found out they got their 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 first position or they're really close they're getting ready to sit down at the table they're getting ready for that interview uh, and they're getting ready for that offer what's one or two pieces of advice you'd give them yeah great question and i think the maybe two and then just a pre-note before like the pre-note before is i think the hardest thing not the hardest one thing you can't teach is you can't teach passion have passion for what you do and that's going to make a world of difference. I never thought I was the best teacher or the best coach, but I was going to be more passionate and I was going to outwork anybody. And so I think that, but first thing I think that has served me well. And again, coming from my mentor is run to problems. If you hear about a problem, if you have something that's, you know, a teacher who you hear is having a concern or a parent who's having a concern or, Hey, I made a mistake go run towards it, you know? Hey, I made a mistake, own up to it, or hey, how can I help this? But run to your problems and face them. And then two is really be able to separate fact versus feeling, where is is that true? And is there facts to back it up? Is there a policy? Is there a rule to back it up? Or is that just how I'm feeling that day? Or is that an opinion of mine? But separating that fact versus feeling, and that helps take emotion out of it. That helps you stay level-headed and not assume things, not to jump to conclusions. And maybe it leads you to ask a couple questions to where you can figure out the facts. That is excellent. Excellent advice for people. So let's go ahead and get then to the last question, Adam, that I ask everybody here on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. What are you doing right now, Adam, to lean into leadership? Yeah, and I struggled. I almost brought this one up when you asked me about what am I doing with the culture and everything. But so yeah. the power of the purple and our culture and climate right now at the high school, we have a, a bingo card right now amongst our staff. And it is, you know, sharing a bell ringer strategy with uh, a staff member is, is, is a square. Sharing a podcast, sharing a quote, doing an act of service for another staff member, sending an email home to a guardian. That's a positive note about a student. Just a couple examples right there. Stuff that doesn't take, all it does is it takes an extra minute or two out of your day to spread positivity, to spread the power of purple, to be passionate about what you do and to leave a positive legacy on a student. And I mean, we're staffs having fun with that. We are just talking about in the hall, you know, Hey, I'm working on this square, you know, my class can't go read to the elementary class, but we helped them with getting ready for their golden sower competition today. Or we helped them with quiz bowl. Can we count that? And so just creating those, it's a professional development growth. It's a staff uh, camaraderie growth and just a little bit of extra fun to help grow our brand, to help each other out, be local experts uh, and just continue to strengthen the power of purple. I, I say it a lot, but I mean, my wife and I, and again, God bless my wife. She does all my crazy ideas. I don't know if the, I don't know when the last time the Burwell hall was painted, but this summer in July, I'm like, hey, we're going up to school and we're painting a purple power stripe down the hallway. 
We took two bricks. We painted the purple down. We painted all the door, door jams purple. And I just wanted our kids to be proud and be prideful that we are the Burwell Longhorns. We are purple and this is who we are. And we, we try to talk about that stuff every day, incorporate little activities like this with our staff, with kids writing notes. Uh, and it's just something I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about spreading positivity. A lot of, well, you're speaking right to my heart with that. That's to me, that's, that's what it's all about right there. So um, Adam, for folks who want to reach out, get in touch with you, maybe they have a question, maybe they just want to follow you on social media. Uh, what's the best way for them to find you? Yeah, Twitter, um, Adam underscore Stolzer, 28 is my Twitter handle, and then um, adam.stolzer at burwellpublicschools.com. Shoot me an email. I'd love to connect with everybody. Um, and just totally thankful for this opportunity to spread the message. Uh, and I think I have a little bit of knowledge on the first year, but I'm sure in five years when I look back, I'll be like, what the heck were you doing? And, you know, the stuff that you've learned <laughs> yeah. from this. But totally thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely, man. I appreciate the conversation and I appreciate having you here on the podcast. I really appreciate the refreshing conversation there with Adam Stolzer. You know, when you get an opportunity to sit down with somebody who is brand new in their role, whether that's a brand new principal, a new assistant principal, a new teacher, new superintendent, there's always that level of excitement. There is that level of surprise because let's be truthful, the job will take you by surprise. But it's very refreshing to hear the success and the challenges that Adam is going through. And then also the resilience that he demonstrated in you know, being passed over for the job once, but then getting it on the second go round. So congratulations to Adam. Also, big shout out to his mentor and superintendent, Dale Maynard, uh, somebody I've known for a number of years and certainly respect the heck out of Dale and the work that he is doing there in Burwell, Nebraska. And now it's time for a pep talk. This is the dawn of Teacher Appreciation Week. Oh, I love Teacher Appreciation Week, and not just simply to recognize and appreciate our teachers, but to really think about as leaders, how do we truly appreciate our staff? I had a great conversation with a friend the other day, and her position is very much that the ways that we should be appreciating teachers are focusing on fair compensation, supporting their time, and allowing them the latitude and the space to be professionals. They are professionals, so let's let them be professionals. Certainly, this will be a week when we do all kinds of fun, different recognitions and maybe some cake and some food and balloons and all other fun, fun things. I actually wrote in my blog post this past week that one of the best and free gifts that you can give your teachers during Teacher Appreciation Week is just a simple handwritten note. Let them know that you see them, you hear them, you value them, and you trust them. But back to what my friend was telling me earlier this week, I think it's such a key piece, and I just want to go with that third one, and that is give your teachers the latitude, the respect that they deserve, and the space to be able to be the professionals that we know they are. Thank you for all you do, teachers. You make such a huge difference in the world. Enjoy Teacher Appreciation Week. Thank you for joining me this week on Leaning Into Leadership. Have a road to awesome day. Thank you for listening to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast, brought to you by Road to Awesome. Don't forget, click subscribe, give a review, and share this with somebody who might also enjoy leaning into leadership.